On this week's episode, we talk about the crazy ending to this year's World Cup between Messi and Mbappe. We talk transfer portal news, and we also address the coaching carousel. But for the University of Georgia, Christmas has come early as the 2023 class begins early signing day. As always, I'm Cheeto, and with me is Keegan, and welcome back to another episode of Dogs Off the Leash. This is a great time to be a dog and a great time to be a sports fan, period. I have a confession, not the biggest soccer fan, but I do love and appreciate the sport. But I, I honestly came into the game at the very, very end. I was told that it was going on. Twitter was, was going crazy. I was like, I got to catch this. It's tied 2-2. I'm just like minutes away from an epic Messi goal where – you know, people talk about goats and sports. This dude belongs in the, your conversation Absolutely. for what we like to call soccer or the foreigners would call the football. Either way, dude balls out, comes clutch with a big, big goal. Everyone's going nuts. Fan, you know, pandemonium. And then Mbappe comes back minutes later. Another goal of his own. That dude's Hat amazing. Trick on the day. Amazing in his own right. Like, I, I'm not even a soccer fan, and I went from Messi is goaded. Like, I even know what I'm talking about. But I, I meant it in my heart. I went from Messi is goaded to Mbappe forever. I was about to get two tattoos. I think I'm a soccer fan officially now, man. Like, I've had nothing but appreciation for the sport. I tried to play it. You know, I, I root for uh, – Atlanta United, I'm slipping, slipped my brain there. But the thing is, is it was it was an epic moment in sports history. And for those who were able to catch it, able to watch it, we were witnessing history, and and it was amazing. And you know, I think Messi might have uh, solidified his goat status. I know we just lost the great uh, Pele, I believe. Um, and R.I.P. You know. RIP and RIP to another great that we should mention, and that is the late great Mike Leach, who was nothing but an innovator in the sport. And you know, uh, as time has gone on, you just hear more and more about his impact as a coach. And I know we kind of talked about his his innovative status uh, earlier on in the season when we played Mississippi State, but uh, just you know, tragedy among. The uh, the other Bulldogs that we, uh, you know, kind of send out love to and, um, you know, just taking a moment to to give them some respect on on the topic of the World Cup. You mentioned Atlanta United. I can't really recall the, the name of the player that plays for Atlanta United, who was a part of the Argentina win, who is now a World Cup champion. But shout out to him. Uh, that Ooh. That's something that you dream about your whole life as a kid. And for the general for the general 
or for the casual soccer fan, Lionel Messi is the goat of goats. He's the Tom Brady. He's the LeBron James of his sport. And I think because why everyone was so invested is because everyone knows who Lionel Messi is. He, him and uh, Ronaldo are the two pillars of the sport. And confession, Mbappe, for me, that was the first time I'd actually watched him play. I know he's been on the cover of recent FIFAs. It's been a little minute since I've been on the sticks in FIFA, but um, you know, going back to the college days, that that is one of the great sports games that there is. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, really thought Argentina was going to run away with it, but the refs let uh, France back in. But it turned out to be literally the best soccer game that I've, I've ever seen. It had everything, it had drama. And then for it to end in PKs, usually I'm not a big fan of that. But again, to see the this premier talent at that stage, going into an overtime situation and then PKs, it was an absolutely amazing show. And I think the entire world really enjoyed it um, from a viewing spectacle. And uh, sh shout out, shout out to uh, what they held it in Qatar. I, I felt like it was, everything was beautiful. It was a good setup. I think even, even the U.S., I know we're not really prominent on the world stage, but I think that the U.S. made a lot of progress. And we're a long way from Argentina and France, but uh, hats off to everybody involved. It was it was a great tournament, and to to be capped off with Messi winning, thought it was awesome. Thought it was amazing. An epic victory for Argentina, and it's cool seeing all the viral videos of the celebrations of people in the streets. I saw this one video on TikTok, and there are like thousands of people outside of Messi's grandmother's home, and they're all, you know, they got Argentina flags, and they're just elated and you see her in the window she's just you know oh it's nuts and so. one of his posts ended up passing the most like what the egg picture that was previously one of the most liked social media posts and cleared that by a landslide and, and again that goes oh. to show like the biggest one of the biggest superstars in a universal sport i mean obviously it was going to clear an egg i don't even know how that got there but but yeah no just great for great for the world stage uh Hats off again. Um, I can't get over it, <laughs> to be honest. It was great. But as far as that being relevant on the world stage, there's a lot going on in college football, especially for the UGA community, especially as early signing day has kicked off as of this morning. And the letters of intent are starting to roll in and the foundation of the class is slowly starting um, to finish up their commitments. A lot, a lot of them are already practicing or with the team during bowl practices. So they're, they're, they're hopping right into it. They're getting the transition, <laughs> an easy transition right into college football day one. So it's good to see. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, it's totally different nowadays how you have so many guys that do enroll early and catch that rhythm. It's, it's kind of unlike past times where really, you know, we're talking, we're all hype about early signing day because we kind of know what we got and we, We'll figure out, you know, most of who is in this class, period. But, you know, I remember 10, 15 years ago, it was all about February signing day. So it's kind of changed a little bit, but still just nice looking at the class, looking at who Georgia has, a strong, strong class. And even though, you know, I'm elated that we're ranked number two, we still really could finish number one and stay tuned for some updates if we do do that, which it is, you know, kind of arbitrary. But it's nice to say you're number one. But, you know, really for me, I trust Kirby, his evaluation process. And a Kirby's two here lately has been a uh, pretty much a number one, you know, overall, especially if you just look at 
the the amount of guys who contribute in Georgia's program who are guys that on paper, you know, they didn't get they didn't give as much credit to them nationally as Kirby and the staff and friends did. So I, I like where Georgia sits. And and, and about that, because it, it is nice to call yourself number one, especially when it comes to recruiting. But a lot of things that I've seen on social media, and it's not just Alabama and Georgia, it's Ohio State, it's, it's LSU, it's Clemson, it's Texas. A, a lot of people, but let's, let's stick to the Georgia Alabama thing. So many people want to be, number one as far as recruiting class and it's it's great but at the same time like you pointed out we're recruiting for positions of need we are recruiting talent that kirby has had a chance to evaluate who he thinks is going to be a big fit for uh, the program not only like athletically and the talent that they have but from a character standpoint and that is you know not to have too many christmas puns in here but that's a really big gift that kirby has given to the university of georgia because unless Unlike people like Todd McShay, who questioned some of our players' character, which we can hop into soon, like we have players here who, and again, players aren't, they're not really supposed to be role models, but they end up being that for our program because that's what Kirby looks for. But you have to think we're having top three recruiting classes, and we have one person in the transfer portal, and that's Bill Norton, who has. I said it a couple podcasts ago. Looks like he was just out of shape and he wasn't getting really a lot of chances to contribute to this team, anyways. I saw his video going to Arizona and I wish him well, but like I if if you're not playing here, that's more of a referendum on like what you've done versus like what we got going on. So as opposed to Alabama, who has the number one class right now and a ton of athletes there, but they're also losing 13 players to the transfer portal. And this is not just people who are buried in the depth chart on the practice squad. These are first some first-round NFL players that are transferring out. So while their class is better than ours, they're replacing a lot more talent than we are. We're stacking talent on top of talent, on top of talent, developing them, and just our roster from top to bottom. And we, we make these distinctions when we talk about matchups versus like Oregon or Tennessee. Yes, these teams are good, but can they hang with the University of Georgia in their depth for four quarters? And more times than not, the answer has been no to that question. And that's because of what we're seeing now. Is it number one class? No. Could it be a number one class very easily? Yeah. We missed out on Arch Manning. We missed out on Justin Haynes and probably Caleb Downs. And we're still number two by a wide margin. The The gap between one and two and two and three, those are really different gaps. Trust me, very different gaps from two to three and one to two. So I'm not stressing it. And like, if you want to, you know, go around town, like, oh, well, I'm mad we're number two and we're not being out of them. You can, but just provide a little context it's not really as crucial or as a big determining factor as it may look like on the surface yeah and plus it's like georgia kind of has like a map and an outline of what is working really well and you know that's why i think his name is uh, deuce robinson he's the number one tight end that's a dude that i'm really hyped about uh just because we've been so dominant at certain positions and tight end and being one of them <clears throat> you know whoever comes in next and fills the shoes of Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers. I mean, I know we got some young, really good guys coming in and a couple of dudes already on the team that are going to contribute. But, you know, hey, I'll take all the, you know, six, 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 seven number one tight ends I can get. So, of course. But so that's and, someone I really love to have. But, and talk about that scenario because that's, that's going to happen yeah. twice for our roster, right? Because we've got Lawson, Lucky. And then we've got Pierce Sperlin at tight mm-hmm. end, two good tight ends. So 
would I love to get Deuce the number one tight end? Of course. But if we miss out on him, again, we've already addressed our positions of need. Same thing with Damon Wilson, who is supposed to be committing later today. Uh, number one edge rusher, I think, or close to number one strong side, I, th- I want to say is. It'd be awesome to get him. If we don't, we already have Samuel and Pimba, and we have Gabriel Harris, two other ends. So you see what I'm saying? It may not be the sexiest as the numbers, but we are we are getting the multiple of the second tier, quote unquote, second tier guys, right? Like we don't have the number one linebacker in the nation or number two, but we got three, four, and five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's nuts to think about if you take a second. Like that's that's crazy talent, like just stacked down the roster. So again, it's not sexy. It's not always the number one or D five star, but this is quality, quality talent that Kirby has evaluated and said, I can work with this guy. I can develop them into an NFL prospect. Maybe what was Brock Bowers coming out of high school? What number tight end? You find me the tight end who was ranked above him. Find me that tight end. And we'll, let's see where they're at today. Let's see if they're, right. you know, what was it? The Mackey? Well, that, it's just not close. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like when you're in the top 10, really anyone in the top 10 really could be that number one guy was key. And sometimes that number one guy comes from like out of, you know, left field, really top 20 or top 100 or not even on the map, really. Especially DBs, right? Just depends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, like most of the dudes who are ranked top 50, they do end up correlating to be pretty good players. And some will go back on that ranking kind of way of viewing it or whatever. And then some might bump up their stock if we're using these kind of metrics, but then, you know, oftentimes some dudes fall off the map, you know, and it's kind of, sometimes it's sad to see that. And then some dudes come from off the map and you, no one knew who they were. And here they here we are talking about them being, you know, a top round draft pick or whatever it was. So. I think that for Georgia, I really trust their evaluation process. And I think, you know, it's proof of concept for these players seeing like, oh, okay, they got a couple of big, you know, named stars at this one or, you know, two similar positions and they're making it work. At Georgia, you know, other places it's like, oh, everyone's competing for uh, not just playing time, that's part of football, but just like, you know, this, I don't know, competing in a way where it's this like scarcity mindset, right? And at Georgia, it's like the abundance mindset. It's like, we, we're we going to develop you. Everyone's going to eat, you know, plenty of people are going to get to play. Um, we're all going to ball. And if you're, you know, even part of the rotation, you know, NFL teams are probably looking at you just for being in in the room and being in those meeting rooms week to week with that, whichever position group, especially when you're talking about what right now, uh, tight end running back linebacker edge, um, and cornerback, I would say that's five positions. I mean, there's other groups, right. That are doing pretty well. Maybe if, if we had a six man in there, it'd be offensive tackles, but I mean, overall, we have some position groups that like bar none across the board, George has been, you know, one, two or three year to year, as far as having, you know, linebackers win, you know, uh, whatever award or tight ends just being ultra dominant, like in a couple of years span. So we're seeing some dominance by many position groups. And if I'm players like looking at, you know, coming in as a recruit, you're looking at the fact that, okay, they're making it work. They got three or four running backs with all different styles that are really getting to see, 
playing time and really affect the game. They got two, three, and four tight ends in the field and really affecting the game. The way Georgia rotates players and, you know, guys are able to contribute at a high level. Georgia doesn't say, oh, I guess one guy's just got to play and the rest of our talents just got to sit at the bench. They're like, no, we're getting everybody on the field we can, you know, because we got a bunch of playmakers and we want to make plays. So it's just kind of a different philosophy overall, and I like it. And so far it's paying off for Georgia on the field, and it's paying off even more when a lot of these recruits that are, you know, in that big name category where you think they might be a little bit more flaky and would go to any school that's going to suit them the best and they're coming to Georgia. So, yeah, we're in a good position. But who who are you kind of looking at? And I'll shut up and just kind of want to hear who 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 is uh, on Cheeto's big board this, this week. And, and again, not to hop too far into the weeds with the Christmas uh, puns, but it's it's that time of the year, right? And <laughs> to to be honest, like UGA has been, you know, to put it simply, really good this year, and really for the past couple seasons. And it's to the point to where the stockings are full and overflowing, and there's not there's really not enough space underneath the tree. We talked about the accolades and the awards that have come, you know. Over the course of the regular season, we had uh, Stetson as a uh, as a Heisman finalist. We had the best tight end in the country. We were in competition for the best offensive line, uh, the Nagurski Award with our DBs, uh, All Americans, All SEC. Like we have been reward rewarded for the season that we've had, and cap that off with a number one ranking and the number one seed going into the playoffs. So it's been Christmas came early for the University of Georgia. And, and as I mentioned earlier, I, I do think it's important not to not to talk about these recruits and these players as if they are items, right? Pieces of meat. Uh, like they're pieces, pieces of meat or that they're toys. Because, That's not nice. Because I think it's also very important to understand like these – these are young men. These are young men that Kirby is spending a lot of time getting to know. And he sees that not only are they athletic and talented, but they are men that he wants to help grow and help, you know, become graduates here and help them to pursue a career. Most, most likely in the NFL, if they're, you know, if they have that. And uh, again, that's a gift that keeps on giving. It, it really is. And I wanted to also talk about, get your thoughts on what you thought about Todd McShay and his comments on Jalen Carter, who out of nowhere addresses or says that he has character issues, especially when we're talking about draft stock, Jalen Carter is going to go top five, in my opinion, easy. So to sit up there and to have and make these accusations that are unsubstantiated or unfounded, I just really didn't understand. It's one thing to make a comment about George Pickens when you see him on TV getting a fight with a Georgia Tech guy and get suspended. Like, yeah, sure, he's a wide receiver. He's a bit of a diva, but. I just want to know conspiracy. where this came from. I got a conspiracy theory. Okay. You're Todd McShay. You affect your, your voice is one of the voices you, you people who really listen to you, you know, if you're, if you're picking number two and you got your guy for number two and you kept keep hearing that, you know, someone else should be number two or like there's all these other players ranked higher, like, or first pick or whatever. Even even if you're that team, you might be like, well, dang, Todd McShay says that the guy I had for two is like, whatever, you know, it's Todd McShay. So what if you're Todd McShay and you're betting money? I said, you know, Will Anderson was going to be number one for a long time, right? Conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory. Okay, I don't think that's happening, but it was – I just don't understand why 
Todd McShay would come so out of pocket for Jalen Carter like Yeah, that I'm one. not feeling it. I'm not. My feeling thing it. is, is it's completely unsubstantiated. Like based on what? You got nothing, dude. You, got you nothing. can't. You can't do that to someone's money, especially if you're the one who people really listen to. And not to mention, you've already kind of said who you think's going to be number one. So it's almost like, to me, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy theory. I'm just being a jackass. But at the same time, it is kind of questionable to say that, like, look, you've got one guy pinned for number one all all, all offseason, all whatever. And now a lot of people, including NFL scouts, are talking about Jalen Carter, number one. It's, I'm not saying it's you doing it out of a conflict of interest, but at the same time, it's so unsubstantiated and from out of left field that I have no other reason but to grasp for straws. Like you're just trying to talk trash for a career move and it's just not cool. And if it were based on something, then we could talk, but you can't just say that about people. And honestly, it's like, it makes me wonder if like you could come for him for slander for even doing that, but I don't know how all that works. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. And this is coming from a guy who has, been on live tv on espn noticeably drunk noticeably deals with a bunch of like anxiety issues so like no one bothers him about his issues like to come out here and say that about a kid who has no record of such things it's that's out of pocket like you said i wasn't feeling it but uh whatever we'll, we'll deal with that later if it comes back around but i do love how the players and how dog nation has rallied behind Jalen carter to um defend him again unsubstantiated claims like why why are we doing that but um, as far as the signing class right now, I would say as far as a unit that's been addressed, uh, we've already talked about these these linebackers are just just outstanding. This might be one of the best collections of linebacker talent that I've seen in a class in quite some time uh, with Troy Boyles. Troy, how do I say Boyles? Bowles, the son of uh, Todd Bowles, head coach of the Bucks, C.J. Allen, and then Raylan Wilson, who has been clocked at running a 10.9 100-yard meter. I mean, that's that's nuts, the the athletes that we're bringing in, and we are set for line, at linebacker position for quite some time. And then, honestly, for me, and I wanted to ask you about the recruit that you're most excited for, Keegan, and then somebody that you would consider an underrated recruit now who is definitely going to come on the scene uh, making a lot of noise. My most excited would be uh, Samuel and Pimba. Again, just the, just the raw talent at that position. To play wide receiver and tight end and then switch over to weak side defensive end and – just have projections just all over the place about how talented you could be at that position. Love it. Who Who is your, who are you most excited about in the class so far? Well, I did mention uh, Deuce Robinson earlier and how excited I was for him, but, but he's not overall, signed yet, right? He's not, he's not signed. He's not signed. So I understand. He was my honorable mention, right? Segwaying into my, Number one dude is Kyron Jones, as far as just like most excited, most excited for like an underrated vibe, you know, someone that I think is going to pop off name wise. And yes, I'd say his so measurable most excited is, or underrated, or you combine it. Uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. You asked both, so let me break this down. So, most underrated that I'm excited for would be Kyron Jones, and the reason why is because he is a two time state champion speedster champion winner and the thing is tax stars everywhere he's 200 pounds he's six feet tall he could play the safety he could play the nickel he could play the corner he's an athlete he's got 
he's, he's got a 10, 600 meter. And the fact that he's, you know, a state champion in the hundred and the 200, you don't often see speed correlate like across a distance, like with the greats <laughs> no. you do though. And with the greats you do. So uh, it's, it's quite impressive. And, you know, someone like Arian Smith is someone that has always stuck in Georgia fans mind as someone that's like oh that's our you know the the you know our kind of weapon our back in our back pocket it's like oh we don't have a deep throw but we got Aaron Smith blah 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 like they don't know so you know same kind of thing this dude could play all over the place but yeah I'm really excited about him and then just uh you know you kind of I would say this whole time it's been in Pimba but if we can land Damon Wilson and we're about to find out guys and we'll do an update soon um he's probably announcing as we're recording this so we'll check in on that. Uh, but yes, Damon Wilson would be my guy. Uh, dude is ridiculous. You see Kirby, um, that reaction video of him on the sideline when he's watching the game. Damon Wilson has a ridiculous play, and then it cuts to Kirby's face, and he's just like, like you see him like really just like I've I've just never seen that face on Kirby. And anybody that's getting that kind of reaction out of Kirby, who is a seasoned football mind, has seen a lot he's seen of football. The best of the, he's seen the best he, of the best. He has seen a lot. Can we check on it now? Can we look? Well, we can we can edit it if this is a, a wasted moment, but I'm gonna Google it because um, you know, I expect him to announce literally Yeah, it's at 345. So here, uh 345 five minutes early. We won't yeah, get it, but here, we'll, here in we'll, a few we'll minutes update, for sure. We'll update you on that. But yeah, Damon Wilson would be my overall most excited uh if he if he if he's coming, you know, if he's coming. So yeah, I, it's a big I, if we'll, we'll we'll talk about a whole conclusion of the class, you know, when we get there. So, so underrated would be Kyron Jones. That's who I picked for the flip. Um, because he was committed to NC State, I believe. And then just just the and things him, that he can do on a football field, I think that's a really yeah. great fit. He may not play running back here, but he can contribute absolutely. And then for me, my underrated, what is going to be uh, Roderick Robinson from Ooh. California. Because we missed out on Justice Haynes, I know a lot of dog fans are really upset with that, but this, this guy, I, I, I had the notes on the podcast when he first committed he went to the same high school as another Hall of Fame running back in the NFL. But this this kid is going to be not a lot of fanfare for whatever reason, but this running back is going to be absolutely elite. Uh, I'm just telling you now, Roderick Robinson, remember that one. He, he's not going to be the highlight of this class, but looking back on it, I promise you, you're going to be like, how did we not? How did we not put two and two together? Like, dude's going to be nice. So uh, just, you know, just keep an eye on that. And this class is still going. There's whispers about Travis Hunter. You know who's in the Travis uh, in the transfer portal? Excuse me, since Dion left to go to coach Colorado from uh, Jackson State, so he's been in contact with Kirby very heavily since then. So I think right now on Twitter he's saying if he can get to a hundred thousand followers, he'll go ahead and commit to where he's going. So just keep an eye on that. If that boy joins the secondary, <laughs> hey, <laughs> well, I'm telling you. Saying. So again, saying. we Georgia is is in good hands, and uh, man, it's a uh, tis the season. Tis the season. <laughs> it truly is, dude. And if we can bridge this gap, it's it's so vital. But if we can bridge this gap with all the talent that we're bringing in and how we really might finish with like a few guys that would be kind of un unexpected gifts, you know, just the way Santa likes to do it. Santa Santa's magic doesn't come from what's on your list. Oh, it's it's those things, those wishes deep down inside you. It's like, how'd Santa know I wanted this type of Tonka truck, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, 
that's the real Santa gift. So Santa knows some of these names on our list that we, we don't really know, don't really expect to get, but you know, that's what the Christmas spirit's all about. And I think that even though uh, there's kind of, we know who we got, we got a lot of people on campus. We're kind of uh, settling in on some of these names that are set to announce very short, uh, shortly here, but it's, it's the surprise names that we don't know. And the, some of the, some of the five stars still out there and guys like Travis Hunter and who knows what transfers. So guys, just exciting times to be a dog fan. I know Cheeto said it of many, many times through puns, but Merry Christmas to all happy holidays. So moments after literally moments after we finished the last podcast, which is why Keegan wanted to push the podcast a little bit later. Cause we had some more major recruiting news coming up. But it wasn't a few minutes until Damon Wilson, five-star edge rusher, committed to the Georgia Bulldogs. A lot of fans were desperately, desperately awaiting the news on this young man. And whew, Kirby and uh, Kadira, our outside linebacker coach, just made a huge splash with what some people honestly believe is the most talented player in the class of 2023 Keegan instant reaction after landing such a huge commit. Are people saying that first off? Some, some people are saying that again with these rankings, you know, it's whether it's 24 seven or rivals or on three, everyone has a little bit of their own take ESPN, but some people honestly feel like this guy could be, especially out of non quarterback positions. He could be like right. number one player for sure. Well, I found it very fitting that we got an early win over Ohio State, considering it was down to Georgia and Ohio State. But just looking at the film, dude, the guy is obviously like physically ready. Like if you just watch him, I mean, most of these dudes are going to be in great shape. You're not going to get any <laughs> collegiate offers if you're not. But this guy is like, he's he is the kind of freshman that will come in and play and it won't be a lack of physicality that keeps him off the field. Like he is built for it. But for, furthermore, his game is super mature. Like he plays very sound, um, sound and technical. Like he really stays with plays. He does his job. And like on a lot of, a lot of times you're looking at highlights and sometimes it's busted plays. Sometimes it's just like, you know, dudes that are, uh, just got off their Brewster shift <laughs> going against future NFL talent. And, you know, there's all kinds of reasons, like some big ugly plays happen when you're looking at these highlights, but buddy uh, Damon has way more plays that break loose, not just because of his physicality. He's definitely got those. And those are amazing. And when you watch them immediately, I think Jadavion Clowney, which is crazy. Just crazy coming off coming off the tongue here and hearing me say it. I mean, yeah, it, it I, don't is know nuts. I don't know if he's that good, but that's why I kept that to myself until you said some people are saying he might be the best. Jadavian, the Jadavian like, was like the first of many right. of that mold, right? He set the standard. And even at UGA, we've had edge rushers who are maybe more of the 6'2", like maybe lean more outside linebacker type of frame. Now we're right. really starting to go towards the 6'4" really long really athletic just just the length in general and um you know according to 24 7 he's the number two edge rusher number 13 overall and strong side defensive end so now we have somebody on one side of the field and already to pair him with a samuel and pimba on the other side the front seven 
if last year's class was super secondary focused, which it was safeties and corners and stars and nickels for the future, this one was super heavy in the front uh, seven, which we we have another recruit that we're going to talk about that just committed today. Edges, D-line up front has been incredible. And for a number two class, this has got to be one of the most <laughs> defensive heavy, star-studded D- number two classes that I've ever seen in my life. It's It's nuts right now. Well, I think it just brings up a good point of just the fact that, you know, where we're recruiting at, we're doubling and tripling down on what is working well. And we also, you know, Kirby, you know, look at this week, Kirby was asked, you know, you guys didn't really get a quarterback for this class. And he's like, hey, just look at the portal. Like we if we need a quarterback, there's plenty, plenty just roaming around the portal looking for homes. So things are changing and the way we're recruiting is continuing to be elite, but something that really excited me was the addition of a transfer commit. Speaking of the portal. Has, speaking of the portal, and uh, a lot of hoopla about the transfer, but in this case, it's a lot of rah-rah. That would be Radarius rah-rah Thomas, uh, the leading receiver for... If they haven't used that yet, we're going to be breaking that in. This coming Low hanging fruit, bro. I had oh, to. Come on, come Shout on. Out Shout out, Dela. Shout out, Dela. Hey, Dela. <laughs> um, but, you know, he was the leading receiver for a pass-heavy Mississippi State team. He's the kind of player that if you, you know, watch his film, he kind of reminds me of, like, across like maybe a light cross of George Pickens and A.D. Mitchell just because of his way to go deep and you know catch some of those balls but really the physicality aspect just really able to box people out he's got a lot of like kind of mossy catches over defenders where they're they're really in perfect position but he's obviously you can tell he's either he's got that just pure on strength or that explosive strength when you need it but he's really got an ability to box it out and uh, just another great compliment to a offense next year that hopefully will be returning A.D. Mitchell unless he's catches some NIL deal or something. So, like, I mean, things are looking good in a stacked, honestly, stacked receiver room outside of those two. And I, I want to – what's become, I think, very apparent, like, with the transfer portal, with NIL, with recruiting, I want to I want to point out something that I think dog fans can see. So it's – I think maybe if this era would have came along during the Mark Richt era, you know, people are kind of getting on to Dabo Swinney right now for some of his comments and how, you know, he's handling things. And we all are very well aware about how Mark Rick was really heavy in his faith, but didn't really make it the whole program about his faith. Right. Which is fine. If that's what you choose to do, maybe not the best look for some, but the way Georgia is handling the transfer portal and handling NIL, it's, it's almost as if, we, we really embrace the Georgia way, but we're doing it. We're doing both of those aspects, the Georgia way as well. When we go to the transfer portal, we're really targeting guys that we already had a, a relationship with that are a really good fit, not just because of their perceived, you know, this star or that star. Yes. Kirby went and had conversations or had conversations with Travis Hunter before he ultimately decided to follow Dion, but you know, he could have been a good fit in a position of need for us. Kirby does his due diligence, but it just really feels like even with NIL, like you don't he really hear about a whole lot of the numbers that our players are making. But people like Stetson and Brock Bowers, these guys are making good money. I think I actually heard on uh, another podcast, Georgia podcast, that Stetson has made clear he's made a million at least at this point. And 
So like you can come make money here at Georgia, but it's not about the NIL, right? It's not about just the splashy stuff. Like you're going to come here, you're going to get developed and you're going to have a chance to go to the NFL to make a generational type of money. And that's what I really like what the Georgia program is doing in that aspect. Even though you're hearing all these crazy stories coming out from other universities fighting over recruits and people just throwing bags and Nike reps out here at Oregon, just signing check. You know what I mean? So like, it's, I really like how we've incorporated this new era without losing. This is how we want our program to go. Kirby's done a really good job of being the CEO of the university of Georgia football. And, it, and it's showing it from top to bottom. It is showing. Yeah. And you don't want a bunch of guys like, you know, everyone should chase a dollar to some extent, but you got to think about the locker room overall as a, as a unit and just how you, you know, you don't want to start a culture of bringing in anybody just because of, you know, whatever they're, whatever they look like on paper, because a lot of these transfer people that are going to be coming in, you know, a lot of the recruits, sure. They're just needing a new home. It's going to work out well, but a lot of them are like, I don't want to say bad eggs because that's like a blanket judgment, but you know, there's a reason they're leaving. Right. And that reason could carry over to your program where it didn't necessarily need it. And in a, in an ideal world, everyone you recruit stays and you know, they, that that's just who you go with and develop those guys. But I think it's smart to do both. You, you want to have, you know, you don't want to be a team for one that doesn't take any transfers. Like you don't exactly know every, how every recruit's going to pan out. And I don't just mean like talent wise. I just mean like character too. Like there's some people that you just don't want on your team, not because even how they play but just like the vibe <laughs> like what they're doing with their teammates and such like that's there's one in every 85 right so like it's it's not just I think it's just smart to play you don't want to play either extreme right you don't want to be a team either every year you're getting a new you know 22 starters <laughs> like like that would just be crazy but you know there's probably going to be teams where that's kind of where they lean and I think for Georgia uh you know, ultimately, a lot of these guys do need college educations. And, like, you, if you're really a player that's that concerned with NIL money, like, you're one of the, you know, elite guys that's going to get that bag, not just, like, some collective check or whatever, then you got to be playing the long game anyway. Like, you should be developing your brand. You should be thinking of, like, a 15-year journey overall. And I think it's smart to, you know, align yourself with – uh teams that you know already have big brand recognition that makes sense but on the other hand too it's like it just makes sense to be focused on the long game of developing a brand and like I think that Georgia sits in a very unique position because Grady College and like the mark like the Terry College of Business are amazing assets and resources for students at UGA like they're they are some of the you know Let's say there's, I don't know how many academic programs there are at Georgia, but, you know, like 10 of them are elite. Like they're top five every year, right? And some, and two of them are journalism, like the media aspect of it and the business aspect of it. So I just think that Georgia is going to do things the right way. And I don't know how it's all going to play out. I know they have some programs already in place, but you just got to have faith in the university and how we handle things. And I think that it's really a reflection of top-down, like, great leadership from the the president, 
from the athletic director to Kirby and all the people that Kirby can rely on, the Mike Bobos, um, I'm slipping names, uh, Will Muschamp, like, you know, it is just incredible the amount of leadership and quality personnel at Georgia doing things the right way. And we don't have to worry about full cell changes. We're transitioning perfectly, which was my biggest concern in this next recruiting cycles because of the NIL, because of the changes in the playoffs. Like I was like, is this the window? Is the, is the window closing? Because a lot of teams are sneaking up on us, but they're not. And we handled the transition perfectly. We're in a great position at number two. And ultimately in two years, this playoff is going to expand. So the amount of dependence on getting past Bama, getting past Bama, like we got a lot of trauma about getting past Bama. Like we want to get past everyone for one. And yeah, we want to get past Bama too. And, you know, shoot, some years we might not still because they're, they've got a great coach and a great program. But at the end of the day, we're hitting the transition perfectly, being able to expand the playoff. And, you know, if we're, if we slip a couple years in recruiting to Bama or really any, any schools at the end of the day, you got to think, it's X's and O's. It's Kirby and their personnel evaluations, and you know it's just it's just the it's the dog it's the time of the dog. So I'm feeling good about the transition. Feeling good about the class, and things are looking up. But man, we got another big recruit today, and I, I love all the nicknames. I love it when our recruits have nicknames. Jordan Big Baby Hall. This dude is. Going to take some time to develop now. Watch the tape. I got to be honest. Like He's a really star-studded elite talent. He's going to take some time to develop, though, to get to that next level. I don't expect him to make that immediate impact, like, on the field. He, he might prove me wrong. Please do. But, uh, you know, I think he's going to have to gain a little bit of size. I didn't see the physicality aspect. But what I did see was super sound tackling, a real strong nose for the football, and – a really good quick step along with Damon Wilson, who's got uh, uh, probably the best quick step I've seen outside of like a handful of dudes on, on a very, very small list. So we got some quick step guys and uh, Jordan, big baby hall is a, another example of that. And Cheeto, what, what do you think about that addition to the D line? I know we talked about this being such a defense heavy star studded class. What are your thoughts, bro? You don't get the name big baby without being a quite quite a large human and coming in at 63 310 and holding that well on his frame he huh. really fits the mold of the next Jordan Davis and kind of scary for offensive coordinators who are liking to run the ball between the tackles we have him now with Jamal Jarrett to anchor the front D-tackle, nose-tackle position of our defense, and then to flank both of those with one of the best weak side defenders in this class with another strong side defender. And then one, and then Gabriel Harris on top of that, it's with three linebackers that have a chance to all go for, like, best linebacker. I think all three of them in high school were up for the best linebacker in the nation. Like, they, I mean, just take a second. You're not right. I've already seen people, like, for this class, 2020, the 2024 UGA defense, like just don't even try it. <laughs> don't, don't, don't even try it. This front seven is, is ridiculous. Shout out to again, Trey Scott, the outside linebackers coach, Kadira. And of course, Glenn Schumann has his hands all over this. It is in, in an era where offense is king, quote unquote, to have these defensive heavy 
defensive heavy classes are just amazing to me. And honestly, I, I got to give a little bit of a shout out to Alabama as well. Cause as good as this class is, like I said, best number two class I've ever seen. Alabama is, we're not catching Alabama. Nobody's catching Alabama. Um, but the one comment we made on the first part of this podcast is that they're actually having to replace a little bit of talent because they've lost so much to the transfer portal, as in we're at the top of the mountain right now and still recruiting right there with them. So, like, in that aspect, they, they've got to get back to where they were. We've taken that mantle, and we are still blistering. And they're not recruiting defensively the way we are. I'm not sure all the details of their class, but it's not defensively like this. I can guarantee you that. But um, and even still, we develop. So if their class ends up being better than ours, completely, I'd be surprised. So um, no, it's just been a great well, day for well, UGA. Matt, great day for UGA recruiting exactly. and the transfer portal for sure. It's been a beautiful day, and I think something that should just give us solace is just what we're seeing on the field. Like at the end of the day, a lot of our big talent even coming back or it's not necessarily just all about recruiting classes like it's really about that transition of on a for lack of a better way of putting it a transition of power like who who you have on the field that is giving you production really uh a reason for your success are they coming back and what do you have replacing them like we can talk all day about the like the potential on talent list of you know, this many stars and this player looks like this and these highlights are like this. And, and I, I mean, that's part of the fun, right? But like at the end of the day, it's all about the production and, you know, Georgia is keyed on, on in on that. So, I mean, you want to have talent late line and wait, but like not only did Bama not get the production they needed this year for what they were aiming to do, they sent off, probably you know a lot of people that could have been contributing which I, I think sometimes you see this I know I experienced this at the high school level some high schools have such an abundance of talent just from the way the census worked out and districting worked out that like you know you could go two or three guys deep on some high school rosters and those dudes would be starting across the uh across the the way at different like county schools and potentially should be starting at that whatever school so it's just it gets when you have uh an abundance of talent you know it's one thing when you're like at jackson state and you got jackson uh what's his name travis hunter travis hunter and you're like dude that guy should start it's like i'm not saying the other guys aren't good but you you know someone like that goes there obviously he should start okay but now you're at georgia or you're at alabama or clemson or one of these programs where you got an abundance of five stars abundance of four stars all these guys meet the eye test that's where guys like stetson who really could ball you know are going to fall by the the wayside you know in the coaches side. and it's hard to see through that so for bama this year i think they experienced kind of the uh the the trials and tribulations of having an excess of riches because they're losing so much talent in the transfer portal that really was supposed to anchor their future or uh, be the next guys, or maybe in some cases should have been the guys this year. So and I think a lot of their model falls apart because the guys that come in are promised immediate playing time as in like yeah. your star come play here and be the guy go to the NFL versus Kirby, Kirby's message has consistently been come here, wait your time and develop and yeah. be a part of this culture. And I think sometimes that's that's what you're seeing because, again, they're 13, 15 people in the transfer portal versus Bill Norton. And then very recently for all, for us, Arik Gilbert or Eric Gilbert. I always want to call that. Eric Gilbert, who is – Everyone does, but yeah. Who has put him in and, and 
it's not because of lack of this coaching staff trying to help him be the player and the man that he's, you know, they want him to be like, didn't work out at some front. And I honestly, I hope he finds success wherever he goes. If he ends up going to somewhere like Colorado, like Dion gives him a call, like, Hey, come play up here. Like I, I want the kid to be good. The kid's that, talented. That would be that would the be kid's yeah, talented, but you know, yeah. like with, especially when you have two tight ends, uh, you know, first team, second team, Darnell and Brock Bowers have just been a revelation for us. And they've, they've been the, they're, they're professionals in college. You know what I mean? They, they do everything Kirby asked. They, they're stars in their own right, blocking, catching. They, they do all the things. And I don't, I really don't know what the issue is with Eric, but again, I wish him, wish him all the best wherever he goes. And um, yeah, that's, that's the difference between us and Alabama right now. Yeah. I think with him, it's like with whatever he was going through, uh, you know, not speaking on that, but just speaking how it just ultimately led to a lack of consistency and, you know, a lack of reliability from just like a football aspect. And if you got two really, really got good guys ahead of you, um, you know, regardless of like where your talent level is, if you can't get some kind of consistency, you're never going to break in. So I don't know what exactly was the case. No one really does. But at the end of the day, I guess, you know, I hope he can break in and find that consistency somewhere, get a foundation and it just go through in like a healthy, happy manner. So I think it gets a little weird when everyone tells you when you're 18 years old, how great you are and, uh, <laughs> and what your future beholds you when, you know, you still got to figure yourself out. And at the end of the day, that's where, you know, it, I think it helps to just have an empathetic stance, especially if you're talking into a microphone and like you're, uh, you know, it's easy to sometimes get carried away and I like having fun with the theatrics myself, but, you know, I think it, it adds a lot of undue pressure onto dudes like Eric, when they come in, they got all these expectations and I don't know uh, where he's headed, but at the end of the day, we wish him the best dog nation. It didn't work out. We got a lot of tight ends. So it's a uh, kind of a weird thing, but. And you know, speaking not- of tight ends, we're still in the running for Douche Robinson, but Dog Nation, we're we're done with recruiting until February because that's when uh, him being our last major target is supposed to make a commitment date. So it has been a great, great early Christmas for UGA and going to be a, a great New Year's as we get ready for Ohio State. And we will get with you guys for the preview. Douche Robinson, just a name to keep an just a name to keep an eye out for as we get towards February in the regular signing period. Yes, sir. Hey. That should wrap us up, right? I mean, I think we covered our bases. All that's left is the fireworks and back to football. Again, it's really impressive what this coaching staff has done, getting ready for a playoff game and to bring in a class like this. Like, I don't know when they find time to sleep, but this this coaching staff, with the support of the university, donors, fan base, like, honestly, everybody deserves a little bit of credit for the program that's going on. It's just we get to see it manifested in Kirby and his staff and the work that they've done. This is... Again, there's going to be people who want to downplay, oh, Georgia's number. There's a lot of y'all, to be honest, Dog Nation. Like, when the summertime's around, like, why aren't we? Where's our class right now? There's a bunch of people all over the message board. Well, what, what's going on with our – and then everyone's just like, just wait. We'll do fine. And boom, here we are. Top three, number two. Not number – number two. A great class. This could go down as one of the most defensively impressive class in history. Like, it, it could be. I'm not even exaggerating. So, trust the process because Kirby's just shown that Kirby, you give him we- time and you give him support, he'll flourish. Yes, absolutely. And for the record, I, I do believe if we had decided to add a quarterback to this class, 
that would definitely help our composite. Like if, if we're really being honest, so it's like, you kind of absolutely got to, got to, got to take that all with a grain of salt. It's, it's good like that we're not to... stepping on our quarterback's toes for once, exactly. you know, like we have, let like, them, let them grow. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you can only plant so many plants in the garden. Right. So at, at a certain point, it's a fine line to, to uh, make that decision because you want to have the depth. When Kirby got here is all about, Oh, we need to build up the depth. I think he's done that. And, you know, we did, and are taking some guys out of for the we're looking to the transfer portal this year, but ultimately we're riding a fine line and I'm, I'm impressed with Kirby's leadership and handling that properly. So it is tricky, you know, and it's tempting to just want to look at all the fresh apples on the, on the tree. But when you got some good ones in your basket uh, for God, it's a terrible analogy. I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the only thing I'm looking forward to are, yeah. are trophies, are yeah. trophies, and Kirby. Yeah. Kirby has shown time and time again, and hopefully will again this year. His, his his approach to the way things work, and again, remember he played football for this university at a high level. His approach to things has shown even before he got to Georgia, there it's conducive to championships. So sit back, let him do his thing, enjoy the ride because it's it's been it's been a hell of one. It's been a hell of a ride. So, Dog Nation, always appreciate you. Keegan, appreciate you. Me, I got some presents. I got to go finish up wrapping. So, Dog Nation, uh, Merry Christmas to y'all guys, and we'll get with you for the preview for Ohio State. And as always, you know what it is. Off the leash. Off the leash. I do it for the dogs.